The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Beyond! 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 Hey everybody, welcome to Podcast Beyond, episode 468. Oh boy, so for those of you who are just listening to our voices uh, from throughout the ether of the computer headphones, um, we probably sound maybe the same, maybe a little bit different. We probably sound for, a little bit better. Yeah, for those of you watching I sound great. on video, you'll note that we are in a beautiful new studio, and we've got cool new microphones that don't have those weird foam things on them that smell like man fart, and... Uh, <laughs> Those were really smelly you know uh, microphones. Really? It also smelled like lady farts, so be, be fair. Okay, so <laughs> it, the, the good, like, just, you know, unisex fart of the microphone shields is gone. We now have these cool um, silver things. We don't deserve nice... whatever they gave us. Hey, look basically. at that. I got my own camera. Go back to me. Stop, stop. Do it. Stop yeah, it. what's stop up? It. All right. Anyway, um, yeah, so a lot of stuff's going on. Uh, it's that wonderful, fun time of year when things come out and games come out and people review them. We get to talk about them. But we also got a brand new sort of PlayStation. No, definitely got a new PlayStation. Yeah. Yeah, this is brand new PlayStation hardware. The, the PlayStation 4 Pro, 4 Pro yeah. is out in the wild. Raise yep. your hand if you have one. Oh. For the record, uh, Caleb and Brian <laughs> both raised their hands. Right. Again, if you're not watching the video of this, you're missing out. Yeah, you should be. Um, Max and I uh, remained uh, handless because yeah. we're just a couple poor boys. I was touching my lap. Uh, anyway, what's uh, what's the PS4 Pro like? So right off the bat, I want to say real quick, it's I think it's just been like truly amazing as a PlayStation fan to get not one but two new hardware launches within the matter of a few months. I got a PSVR and a PS4 Pro within four weeks of each other. I don't know what we did to deserve this as PlayStation fans. Yeah, it's Usually sort of you have to wait every five years, you know? Yeah. It's a bit overwhelming. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's it's a lot overwhelming with good things. Yeah. It is, uh, and they don't necessarily communicate as best as they possibly could. But we'll get into some of that. But uh, Caleb, you got a PS4 Pro. I just yes. got one. Uh, we've had now about four or five days with the new system. Yeah. What was what was the whole sort of experience like for you? Starting with sort of just bringing it home, unpacking it, and doing your first system transfer. Well, so I got a bit of a head start. I brought my my hard drive and my old PS4 to the office on Thursday. So as soon as Amazon dropped off my PS4 Pro, I was ready to do the transfer. You were doing some surgeries on it. Yeah, I actually, yeah. I actually transferred my two terabyte hard drive from my PS4 to the PS4 Pro first. So you already voided the warranty. Uh, <laughs> completely destroyed. No, they they allow no, you they to will do send that. People they after they you. like you swapping out hard drives. Yeah. They even make it easy for you. Um, so the hard drive swap process is basically the same as it was with the PS4. So I did that. You have to download the firmware and put it in a little thumb drive and reinitialize the system so it views your new hard drive as a new hard drive. Yep. And then I backed up my PS4 using the backup and restore function, restored it to my PS4 Pro. And Most about- importantly, I saw you still have PT. Absolutely. Yeah. PT is safe in its new home. 
I like that you can just sort of carry that from system to system for as long as you possibly can. Yeah, because the backup and restore function, right, that's what it does. Is it's yeah. basically making a full image of whatever your PS4 is. So if your PS4 gets stolen or if you drop it in a pool of water. Mm-hmm. Or if or, Konami takes your games off the store and you cannot a, download them anymore. you bring a girl home and she steps on your PS4 that, and you no yeah. longer have PT. Yeah, what happened that's with such that? A, that was just a real big mistake. You're a mess. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, uh, yeah, the, so the transfer worked the same as a regular PS4. Um, it was great, and I'm all set and good to go. Um, so by the time I got home on Thursday, I was all ready to play Dishonored. Awesome. I've, so I've noticed there's actually been a couple different ways of actually doing that sort of system yeah. transfer. Um, one of them that you can do is just sort of start from fresh, log in your account, and then get, if you have PlayStation Plus, uh, download your cloud saves, assuming you uploaded those. Yeah. So then you'll have to re-download all of your games, which uh, if you have a lot, is kind of a pain in the ass. Yeah. The way I did it was a little weirder. I took an Ethernet cable and connected my old uh, PS4 yeah. to my new PS4 Pro, Ooh. Connected them, and then so I basically had two PS4s hooked up at the same exact time. Only one of them had to be connected to the TV, uh, making sure both of them were on the same sort of uh, firmware. And then I had, I think, 380 gigabytes because I had a launch wow. PS4, which I think was 500 gigs. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I, I was uh, basically managing it where to the point where I get rid of stuff where I don't need it anymore. I know a lot of people are more like digital hoarders with stuff like that. I try to be a little more, you know, That's me. yeah, clearly, yeah, <laughs> two terabyte, yeah, drive. right. <laughs> Yeah, right? So uh, I stuck with the one terabyte drive that comes with the Pro right off the bat. And the reason I got one to begin with was because I was sort of like, all right, well, I, my launch PS4 has been kicking around for a while. I want to upgrade the hard drive. Um, if I trade this one in, I can get a couple hundred bucks off the new one and then putting it in a new hard drive. Uh, it basically came out to be like 200 bucks to upgrade. And to me, it feels like the like it, it feels like the leap between like going from uh, a phone one year to a phone the next year. Kind well, especially of, you know, the amount – I mean you're using it right now for PSVR pretty much yes. right whereas you have a four wait do you guys have 4k tvs no i just ordered one so i'll okay. have i'll have this, the same one we have in the office here and I've, yes i just bought one yeah okay so i did a system transfer it was 380 gigabytes and it took about i want to say about 85 minutes which wow. is kind of nothing at all yeah, considering nice, like yeah. i remember when i did a system transfer from my 3ds to my new 3ds I don't know if any of you guys have ever done that oh, yeah. before. It was a nightmare. I have both plugged in uh, to their own uh, power adapters at the same time, and I think it took 23 hours yeah. and timed out like three times. And you see, and I killed literal, your Animal Crossing town. Yeah, my Animal Crossing town died in the meantime. <laughs> and what so it was this, a couple gigs. Yeah, this that. this carried everything over. The only thing that happened was I got logged out of Hulu and Netflix. Okay, <laughs> and so it's like, sort of like yeah. the end of Avatar when they plug into that big tree and there's yeah. Yeah. The cords between them or whatever. Yeah, except, except I you remember your passwords. Yeah, yeah, and I wasn't trying to forget it for the, every day for the last. There six you go. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, you've talked a lot about PSVR. Yeah. Uh, that's one thing I don't think we really touched on a whole lot in our like PS4 Pro review. What's yeah. your what's your take on that? Like how does it how does it interact with that? Is it they didn't? I mean, Sony hasn't even really touched on it, but clearly it's going to so, improve uh, stuff. It's kind of a gift and a curse to use PSVR with the PS4 Pro because um, first of all, just general sort of like operating system stuff. It feels snappier, downloads are quicker. Uh, I think it's using a better Wi-Fi signal, which the Slim is also using as well, um, and you're getting some better sort of video output functionality, even on a 1080p TV. Um, PSVR, on the other hand, uh, is sort of night and day with some games. I played some, I tested out Drive Club, uh, Robinson the Journey, um, Bound, some of the more like sort of graphically intense games. Um, And the ones that got a patch are noticeably better. Like even I tried the London Heist level um, in 
PlayStation worlds and you can actually like I, I didn't I don't think I really realized like how much of like a 32x game that game looked like the first time around like the actual uh, the inside the interior of the guy's car and that shootout sequence is very flat and now it's like textured and a lot more nice yeah. looking um, Robinson was one of the games where I was like wow this is noticeably better one of the things I noticed for sure white text text in general in PSVR has been kind of like hit or miss yeah if you guys notice that it's got yeah. a lot of I mean, like, it almost has like a, around yeah it. and it has or like a blur around the yeah edge. it's yeah, got it a blur there's some aliasing you have to do stuff where you like you're basically tilting the back of your hat up uh, to angle it a little bit so you Hats see things to better. You. Yeah, so uh, that I notice is actually much more crisp. Uh, load times in general feel better. So if you're only buying a PS4 Pro for PSVR, think about it's like four hundred dollars for the PSVR, four hundred dollars for the Pro. You're getting in a sort of like Oculus territory there in terms of pricing. But I think graphics wise, obviously not as great as Oculus, but it's getting close. Yeah, like it's it, closing the gap between yeah. them. And there's one major issue of hooking up your PS4 Pro to your yes. PSVR, which you haven't encountered yet, Yes, which you will when you get your 4K TV. So 4K TV is the one you want to look for now. The one I just bought and you bought, just bought is a Samsung KS8000, I believe. Yeah, right? the KS8000, which, which the reason we bought that is because it's su- supposed to be pretty good for HDR yeah. as and, well as really low input time. Yeah, very low latency, which uh, you might have seen this deal kicking around from Sony the other day. It was $1,000 for a PS4 Pro and a, and a 8, 4K TV. Uh, that one's got pretty crappy latency, so just be careful yeah. with that kind of stuff. But so the issue with PS4 with uh, PSVR and PS4 yeah. Pro is that the PSVR will pass through the 4K signal to your 4K TV, but it won't pass through HDR. Yeah, so it's very finicky, and now people are figuring out a way to sort of like set up like you can buy like a Switch through Amazon that'll it's like fifteen bucks, and you can do a pass through on it. But regardless. I think it's incredible. Like it's a kind of a huge misstep for Sony to announce and launch both of these pieces of hardware that work together so well in some ways, but in this very glaring, very obvious thing, uh, completely sort of conflict with each other. And so then, I don't and then, know how that happened. And then even though Sony's TVs did have kind of much worse latency issues yeah. than some of the other TVs in the model, they uh, in out there right now they did just release a firmware update for a lot of their 4K TVs, which reduced that. Yeah, which is still something I need to get used to is TV is needing firmware. Yeah, that's, that's one of those things. Is this one of those things they can like fix in post or is it like if you buy a TV, you're kind of screwed? I think um, it's a little bit of both. It's a little okay. bit of both. I think possibly the former, but my guess is that within the next six months, you'll see Sony selling a breakout box that functions in the way their launch version of PSVR didn't. And while we're all waiting for like PSVR version 2 and 3 and the next gen versions of those things, I think we're going to get a box. They'll probably sell it for like 40 or 50 bucks. You'll swap out your old one, sell it to some schmuck. Sorry. And then <laughs> sorry to schmucks. And then you'll put the new one in and everything will work as as uh directed. Yeah. But um one of the things that I will point out, PSVR takes up a uh USB slot on the front of your PS4 right now. And so many since, cables. Yeah, so many cables. <laughs> but since the PS4 Pro actually has a USB slot on the back, it frees up the two in the front. So you don't have this stupid Dr. Octopus snake coming out of the front of your system, which as you've, if you've tried it, PSVR... It can't be an octopus and a snake. Dr. Octopus snake? What's wrong with you? You know, it's a bunch of animals just all put together. Who so cares? Just a it's a rat's nest. It's, it's fine. It's a rat's a nest. Ball uh, a ball of snakes. <laughs> a ball of rats. Um, 
so you can actually plug it into the back now, which if you've used PSVR before or, or tried it or seen it anywhere, you've seen all the cables coming out of it. So this reduces that just by the tiniest bit. Um, also, because when you use PSVR, you use Move controllers, which use their own uh, separate proprietary or uh, not proprietary, those the, cool ones from 2012. The mini USB chargers. I sold school. Uh, so now you can actually cables. you can charge two things at the same time. If you use their Sony headset, which has that little Bluetooth plug-in thing, like there's a lot going on. So uh, now you have better abilities to sort of manage that. Has Sony like announced a proprietary entertainment console yet? Like just a box you can put all this crap in and close the doors just on. Just a it? big cardboard box. Yeah. I mean, no, that'd be great though. Well, I mean, I mean what they suggest is you just turn the lights off. And you can yeah. see can they park, yeah, put it on your floor and have a woman step on it? Yeah, that works yeah. for Marty. Yeah. You know what? What? You want? Yeah, that was a big mistake on my part. <laughs> But well, I'm glad you've, you've come to terms with that, Marty. You've been playing PS4 Pro like in the proper way, yes. in 4K, yes. with HDR, with yes. all the new game patches, which I think it was something like 25 or 30 games got patched yeah, this week. Yeah. bunch of classic games like The Last of Us, Uncharted 4, not infamous. the Uncharted Collection, Infamous, and uh, the Infamous DLC. Um, Kanak is getting one. I mean, Titanfall Yeah, Knack got one. Yeah, Titanfall yeah. 2. And then, yeah, yeah, then Mario's VR games. Yep. I mean, yeah, yeah, a ton yeah. of stuff got patched. How, how big are these patches? Uh, anywhere from a couple hundred megs to several gigs. Okay. Um, I think I want to say that the Last of Us patch was like six gigs or something. I don't, wow. know, I don't remember. One of the several, weird, several gigs. One of the weird things is a lot of these are sort of nebulous on what they do. Is that right? Yeah, it's like, yeah, hey, yeah. it's a better performance. And you're like, well, what does that well, mean? So that's what I wanted to get into, right? I, I think first off, I want to clear up a couple of rumors or mistruths about the PS4 Pro. The first is is that it can't support native 4K. That's absolutely false. It supports native 4K with multiple games. Um, many games they are, you know, too robust to render at a full 2160p or whatever the 4K resolution mm-hmm. is. But games like Skyrim, games like Thumper, games like Neo, which is coming out in the spring, uh, there's a bunch of games that are native 4K, mm-hmm. full 4K resolution. I believe Horizon as well, right? Uh, no, Horizon, I think, is checkerboarded. Oh, really? Which is, yeah, the... Um, Think. I think. I don't think it's native. Because that's, that's easily like one of the most gorgeous things I've ever seen. But anyway, seen. regardless, they, there definitely are full, mm-hmm. true 4K games on the PS4 Pro. The second thing I want to clear up is that people are saying there's no benefit to a PS4 Pro if you have a 1080p TV. Mm-hmm. And that's totally false as well yep. because plenty of games are actually offering additional graphics modes for 1080p, mm-hmm. whether that's high frame rate, so like 60 frames per second, whether that's additional graphical bells and whistles, or whether that's super sampling where the game is actually rendered at 4K and then basically that 4K image is brought down to 1080p for your TV so it you know gets rid of jaggies. It's like it's like it's a it's a way of anti-aliasing basically yeah and if this is confusing to you and you wanted pc games to come to consoles (laughs) they have and here we are Except that it's just one box that you yeah. plug in. Yeah, and that still doesn't like make it easier. But I did notice with games like Tomb Raider got patched, um, and they give you sort of like a number of different options yeah. in terms of what you want to prioritize uh, in terms of power. Yeah, I or think draw that's really distance. cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, sort of having the choice to be like, hey, frame rate matters to me, or you know, yeah. running in 4K matters to me, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is cool. And so having options is yeah. fantastic, yeah. right? Um, on the flip side of that, what's sort of been bothering me are I don't expect all games have options. But I would at least like to know what the pro is doing Doing. on a game by game basis. Yeah. So like I played Dishonored 2 all weekend, right? And Dishonored 2 is PS4 Pro supported. What does the pro add? Right. I don't know. Better load times or something. It looks really nice, but I haven't played on another TV on a vanilla PS4, so I don't know what the difference is. So that's like I think there's two things that need to start happening going forward coming from Sony and PlayStation directly is that one, uh, I think that 
basically, if you're working on a, a PS4 game, it, it should be mandatory that there's a pro support or patch at some capacity. I think, I think it is. Well, no, because some games are still sort of like hit or miss with that stuff. I noticed there's like two PSVR games that are coming out this week that aren't pro supported. Um, so I think in the next few weeks you'll see uh, developers playing catch up. But number two, uh, like the game box or patch notes or somewhere should indicate everywhere this is what you're getting. That's one of the things Vince pointed out in our review yeah. was sort of like you don't really know what you're getting. Like it says PS4 pro supported, but what does that actually mean? Yeah, there's know? no regulations sort of yeah. across. And I know that if we get too obsessed about resolution or frame rates, it gets kind of navel-gazy. But at the same time, if you're marketing something for the pro pro gamer or for a you know more enlightened, more technically based yep. gamer, um, they just want to know those details. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that, that's that's why we're dropping the extra four hundred bucks. Yeah. And so, that's, that's one of the things that PC gaming gets well uh, done really well is that like it looks really boring to us, but when you see patch notes, I mean, even my phone does it when you update an app. Goes in the minutia. It, yeah. it tells yeah. you like, oh, we added this, we added this, we added this performance. Uh, blah, blah 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 blah. So I think like yeah, it seems boring, but like we're this is where we are now as console gamers, as PlayStation gamers. Like, let us know what's actually yeah, happening yeah. in these yeah. games. Uh, so Brian, you mentioned uh, load times being noticeably better with the yeah. PS4 Pro. That's one thing that really appeals to me. Obviously, load times suck. Mm-hmm. Uh, what really scares me, though, is if developers start focusing too much on the PS4 Pro and let their load times kind of slack on vanilla PS4. Yeah, and obviously that's been a concern since we first heard about the Pro, right, of sort of like splitting the market. Um, and again, we don't have a lot of examples of what this is like in the console space. That's why I brought up the, the new 3DS before. Yeah. This is the last time we sort of saw this like, oh, this only works on the new 3DS and this doesn't work on the old one. And I mean, with if you look at the Xbox One S, it's not really s- splitting hairs like that. But so the Scorpio is going to. But the Next Scorpio year. will, yeah. yeah, and eventually you will have a point of no return. Maybe, maybe. maybe. I mean, what is yeah. the Scorpio? Yeah, yeah. I mean, my, <laughs> just my thing is, uh, uh, Digital Foundry uh, yeah. put out a list that there are a handful of games that, as of this moment, actually don't perform as well on the PS4 Pro yeah. as they yeah. do on a traditional PS4, which, whether it be frame rate tri- uh, dips or anything yeah. like that. Which and is weird because, like, um, something like Deus Ex yeah. looks better than ever on the PS4 Pro, but it's got some hiccups in terms yeah. of. Well, the, and the reasoning behind that's interesting too, right? Yeah. You know, the games that are running worse on the Pro, I mean, ultimately, it's probably only a, like, five frames per second difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and, I'm, I'm, yeah. we've got the list right here, yeah. so I figured to go over it. Uh, we've got a few Square games. We've got Deus Ex, Mankind Divided, Hitman, World of Final Fantasy. Those are all kind of, yeah. I mean, maybe they're running on similar guts or something. Uh, Mantis Burn Racing. Yeah. I don't know what that is. Yeah, that's an STD. Uh, Skyrim Special Edition. Wow, Skyrim isn't playing well with the, with the Sony platform. That's yep. that's a big surprise. I'm sure that'll get fixed eventually. Yeah. Uh, and then, weirdly enough, The Last of Us Remastered. That seems kind of like a major oversight. But yeah. so yeah, I mean, take that all with a grain of salt. salt right? Yeah. Like, yeah. It's not like, like these are unplayable on a PS4. Right. And and look at for the reason why it's running slower than base hardware. Um, I think you know. Uh, What's a good example of that? Uh, the Last of Us is probably a good example. The reason why it's running slower than the base hardware is because the 1080p mode of The Last of Us is actually 4K super sampled. So if you're playing it on a 1080p TV, there is no way to say, just give me the old vanilla 1080p version right. of The Last of Us Remastered. Yeah. The pro is saying, actually, we're going to give you, if you click the 4K or the 30 FPS, so Last of Us does have some options. There's yeah. a high frame rate option. Mm-hmm. Anyway, if you pick the 4K option, it's going to super sample. If you pick the 60 frames per second option, it's just going to give you what that is. 
anyway. And it does run a bit slower than the vanilla Pro version because the 60 frames per second version here has added graphical bells and whistles. Yeah. Let me ask Caleb. I'm really glad you're here because I don't understand. Oh, yeah, me too. So it's not a a like-for-like comparison, right? Yeah. Yeah. There there is no vanilla version of that game running on the Pro anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what a lot of things people are noticing are sort of like frame rate hiccups, some stuttering here and there, and like minor screen tearing, but nothing that's like completely killing sure. the experience yeah, like if, again if you've been pc gaming for years like this is the kind of stuff that like you've become accustomed to it's like man i max this thing out it looks better than ever but like when i turn the guy in the witcher too quick like it it cuts the screen in half yeah, for yeah. half a and second do so you want more pixels do you want better performance yeah how do you sort yeah. of mitigate yeah. the two? Yeah. So it's, it's, we're at a weird crossroads, right? Because I'd like the entire reason that people got into cro- uh, console gaming is ease of use and to not have to worry about any of this kind of stuff. It's sort of just the difference between cooking and ordering food, right? Yeah. You're just like, well, here it is. It's done. I don't care about how yeah. it was made. So, uh, I think just like it, it as a whole, like general impressions on the system, um, it does feel a little snappier. I do love the console design. The controller with the new front light bar is really sleek. Um, it just, it's, it's not a complete overhaul. Um, it doesn't feel like, like, I don't have buyer's remorse for it, but I don't also have that like tremendous wow factor. The yeah. box is missing the handle, which well, is that's a messed up. <laughs> that's, that's a huge that's problem. That's garbage. They should. They can't fix huge that with problem. a patch. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the wow factor was PSVR for you. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And it's something that kind of enables that further. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And for yeah. me, it is really cool to walk by the someone playing Infamous or Mordor on a 4K TV on a Pro and be like, "Holy yeah. crap, this game looks good!" Like yeah. oh, these two almost three year old games like look phenomenal. Yeah, games like First Light and Shadow of Mordor. I'm yeah. like. Uh, they look like games that just came out yeah. this week. Or flipping on high frame rate on Tomb yeah. Raider. I mean, Seriously. Yeah. Tomb yeah. Raider running at 60 frames per second looks fantastic. Yeah. Which is like cool enough that like uh, we just got that entire game as like a PlayStation package deal with all the bells and whistles. And to have that stuff on top of it is just like, yeah, yeah really, really awesome. Yeah. Cool. So PS4 Pro, um, I mean, I'm sure we'll probably all line up with one at some point. Yeah. You know? yeah. I mean, that'll be – I'll upgrade to it probably. Oh, one thing so. I wanted to point out real quick. Um, it's not nearly as whisper quiet as I thought it would be. I've been playing Watch Dogs 2 on it. And I know I don't think that's gotten a pro patch yet as of this moment. It probably will within the next forty eight hours. But that system gets kind of loud. Like yeah, it's. I mean, I haven't compared it to the Slim, which is supposed yeah. to be quiet. It doesn't seem much louder than my original launch PS4. Yeah. But the one thing that apparently is interesting about it is that it it, it takes less power to run um, than a launch PS4. Weird. Uh, like apparently in in like for like situations, like if you're running in four K, obviously it's going to suck more power but playing a game in 1080p that doesn't have a patch yep. apparently is more power efficient which, it's also, it's which also, for someone who played video games with solar power for a year you'll read that feature you yeah. put on IGN playing video games with solar power <laughs> Yeah, this is the first PlayStation console where they actually change the um, the power cable on the back like it doesn't have oh, that yeah. thin flat one it's yep. got that fat one that goes in yeah so oh, weird cable shame I'm sorry <laughs> Sorry to the fat cables. Out there. <laughs> it's more robust. <laughs> oh, A nice sauce. <laughs> All right. So, um, Watch Dogs Two is out. Or Did it? It will be out. Or is no, it out? It's is out, it out? Now. Is it out? It's okay. Out now. Who We're let live. the dogs out? Oh. You, B, Son. <laughs> Here we go. Okay. Um, yeah, so we've got a review up right now. We, uh, uh, Dan reviewed it. He aired very much on the, the, the downside. We, uh, we have review a review in progress. progress. Review in progress. Right okay. Because uh, the uh, multiplayer, anytime someone would come in your game before the game released, uh, the performance would take such a hit that you would just have to shut off the multiplayer. Yeah. Which is kind of like 
that's kind of crazy. I've heard people kind of defend this and be like, Ubisoft does like last minute beta testing until the last minute. Sure. Uh, you know, day one patches and all that. They will, I mean, they're going to fix this. I don't Yeah. Know. I mean, I can't, obviously we can't speak for what it's like in the wild, but I can't say when Zach and I went to Ubisoft for our IGN first, we played about six hours of multiplayer and it ran incredibly. <laughs> yeah. But granted, we were in the same room as everyone we were playing, but sure. I'm just saying multiplayer as an experience is super fun. So yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, so a lot more on that. To point that out real quick, like, um, people were kind of like bringing up the fact that we reviewed GTA online separately than we did GTA right. single player. Right. Um, this is a little different than this, that. Yeah. yeah. These, these are, these are completely intertwined yeah. modes, um, to the point where if you run around the map, you pull up that cool little San Francisco map, uh, you will see these purple icons everywhere that are all sort of multiplayer integrated maps and modes that you absolutely just can't do anything with As right now. now. Yeah. And I've been, I've connected to them and been halfway through a mission and then been disconnected from it. Uh, I've been in the middle of a single player missions that had nothing to do with the multiplayer aspect that I just get a pop-up warning that says like, you've been disconnected. And I'm like, what? I didn't even know I was connected. So like, this is a little more sort of, tangled than just saying like right. just yeah. bump out to the menu go to the multiplayer mode and come back to single yeah. player and like, because everything you do you gain followers for your single player character yes. like this is all a single mm-hmm. shared profile yeah. it's not like you have a multiplayer profile and a single player yeah, yeah so, so you're looking at it, a, is it safe to say it's kind of like a dark soulsy approach where people can just kind of show up in your yeah, game yeah bit. kind of i mean the first game did this a little bit too where like random people would just kind of pop into your world and you would have to hunt them down and they could join you up or something like yeah. that um for this like there's actually a lot more options in terms of multiplayer like tackling co- co-op yeah. uh doing like the sort of like headquarter you know watchtower mission type things um and they just don't work right now so our review in progress gave it a 6.5 which is a little lower than everybody else but i'm a little worried with everybody else who gave it a nine without playing any multiplayer stuff so i would wait a few days for the dust to settle so i mean okay a week from now maybe this we'll be able to talk about multiplayer maybe it'll be fine but let's i mean we've we've put quite a bit of time i think together into single player and and i don't know what i'm curious what you guys think like personally i am super digging it i'm about five or six hours into it and i am loving the approach to the tone in this game compared yeah. to Watch Dogs 1, which is, I think everyone agrees was a wet blanket. Yeah, it's night and day. I think one right off the bat, you have the like the the sort of the the fact that San Francisco is just a more bright, colorful place than, than like Chicago. the Chicago. I mean, that's is. that's why I want to play. I, yeah. I haven't started yet, yeah. but yeah. for me, it's all about exploring also, their version of San Francisco. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like worth noting, we all live in the Bay Area, so this mm-hmm. is kind of as an extra layer of fun for us. Some people might not like it as much, you know. That's yeah. that's a reality, but like I. The first thing I did was just drive around and look at stuff, which I haven't yeah. done an open world game in I don't know how long. I actually think that even if you have no connection to San Francisco whatsoever, this is a really interesting backdrop for a game because it's such a sort of unique, diverse, weird city in terms of landscape and also in the fact that they made this sort of compartmentalized version of San Francisco that also sprawls out into the Oakland Hills and and uh, over the bridge and then down into Silicon Valley. So you have like – the first game sort of was like here's the city and here's like the farmland and here's the woods. Right, and this does that. I think a little bit better in mm-hmm. terms of giving you diversity yep. in actual landscape. Yep. So, yeah, I think just driving around the city, like bumping hip hop and like crashing into cop cars, is just fun. Yeah, yeah. and it is just even like after we won't go into story, uh, story spoilers, but after the opening tutorial, you wait. Marcus wakes up in Marin in some random girl's house that he hooked up with, and he's like hungover and confused, and you have to leave in your underwear and yep. grab a car and get back to the city. Yeah, and I'm I mean, like, your, your first mission is buy pants. Yeah, and I'm like yeah. this is so different than your first mission in Watchdog 
Alex Wong, which was go to your niece's birthday party. So yeah. it's so it's like Friday. Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, totally like right off the bat, it's much more fun. And I had this awesome thing where I stopped at the lookout point. It was the first clothing store I saw. And I'm like, that's not a clothing store. It's a lookout point overlooking go- the Golden Gate Bridge, which we have here in San Francisco. And it turned out to be this like crappy tourist tchotchke stand. Yeah. <laughs> so I showed up and I bought this like rainbow uh, t-shirt. I love the Bay Area yeah. thing. And then this hat and like shorts. And I was like, I'm ready for adventure. <laughs> I'm ready to go kill a man. Yeah, I think Marcus in general is just a much more fun character. Yeah. His the people like I mean, you you meet up with a, this like this squad of like hackers in the back of like a D and D like car a, collectible a, a board game store. shop. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So just like tonally right off the bat, you don't have Aiden Pierce with his like face mask. He's not like my son is yeah. sick. <laughs> no, immediately Marcus is a much more likable yeah. character because yep. he's not like the IT Punisher. Like he's yeah. he's a kind of four chain hipster almost. So yeah, even though we're not all cool elite hackers, we can probably relate. Yes. Yeah. 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 And if you've been calling him a hipster, uh they do that very early on in the game for you and he's like, I'm not a hipster and they're like, Yeah, sure, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, um I, I'm I'm personally really digging very early on you start getting you have a couple main missions that you could do. You could sort of choose a handful of operations that you want to uh, go off on. There's also a ton of side quests that open up. Yeah. There's a ton of things where you just take a selfie in front of like a famous landmark like the Castro Theater or Coit Tower and you gain followers from that. And I'm finding myself just constantly finding interesting things to be distracted by, mm-hmm. which I really like. Like if I'm not fe- – if I'm like I don't want to go through this set of story missions, I can go do something else. I can go do drone races or I can yeah. try to take over an enemy compound. No, as far as open world games go, I think this is a really, really good model of just like, OK, you did the tutorial. You understand how to walk and how to jump and stuff. And now go play. Just go, yeah. just go sandbox around. Uh, that said, you know there are parts where you'll show up and you're like, "Oh, I'm going to try this out," and you'll just get your ass kicked if yeah. you're not high enough level. Yeah, I noticed that with um. So one of the things I found in the game that uh is really cool to me as like an old school Nintendo fan is that there, you get this drone that you can remote control drone and, and drive around or fly around, but you can also upgrade them. Mm-hmm. The w- the small driving one can jump, uh, and you'll find like weird sites in the game or little different spots where there'll be like a ventilation system, and you can drive your thing into it and get a upgrade for your thing for your character. Or your weapons, which is very Metroid. Yeah. It's, a Metroid. it's a morph ball. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's yeah. totally morph ball mode. But the problem is they don't tell you uh, the parts where you need to have an upgraded version of it. So you might spend 15, 20 minutes just like being kind of cumbersome around like a construction site looking for this upgrade and realizing that you don't have this, the stuff you need yeah. for it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they do a really good job of like the, the tech tree very much right from the get-go. Yep. It's like you can uh, become more adept at guns. You can completely increase the the battery that you have for hacking or like I immediately started to upgrade my drones because yep. like I'd played at the IGN first. I'd played with upgraded drones and I'm like, these are awesome. And so I immediately saved enough money to buy the aerial drone and then upgraded both it and the, the little remote control car. And yep. like that's how I'm – Tackling most missions, yeah. I don't fire a gun. I don't enter the compound. Yeah, I do it all I'm, remotely. I'm playing very stealth, and well, you, like every game I play stealth is, I play very stealth until I can't, and then everyone dies from shotguns. <laughs> but um, a <laughs> lot. Sense. If you play the first game, it's a lot of like interconnected camera systems that let you scope out an area and go, "Here's this warehouse. How, what's what's a good way to sort of like attract this guy over to this vent that I can make blow up to hurt this guy?" But if you go in there with a drone, you don't need to rely on the camera system anymore, and you can kind of just hover over the whole thing and have an aerial view of everything and start hacking. Everything from yeah. the, you can the tag enemies from from yeah. an aerial shot. Yeah, so we've got like mechanics here that are very familiar. Uh, I like the the drone is pretty much the owl from Far Cry Primal. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it's just it's a it's a flying camera. Yeah. Uh, and then the the little rolly guy, the the hopper or whatever he's called. Uh, 
I, I'm getting this weird kind of uh, kind of the inverse version of what Titanfall does, where it's like, oh, you're a you're a big guy who who, who shoots stuff, but then you get into a bigger guy who shoots stuff, and it's like taking the, the mechanic and scaling it up, but having you interact with the environment. Kind yeah, of, it's like the the Russian nesting doll approach, and in this, this case, yeah. yeah, you're yeah. shrinking down, and like you're still navigating this like Far Cry like out, outpost, and you're yep. avoiding guards, but. Suddenly you're much smaller and you're yeah, defenseless. and you're stripped away of power, but at the same time you're much more m- mobile. And even if you get spotted, you can just hop away really quick yeah. and then hide. And you're like, I oh, do, this is yeah. I do yeah. love how like you know you're like you'll you'll engage enemies as a dude and they'll be shooting at you and they'll miss or whatever. But yeah. if you get engaged as a little rolling droid, they're like crack shots and they just like shoot your robot. But they yes. also like someone will just throw rocks at you. And yeah, I find that the funny. rock thing is really weird. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. So like this isn't this year's GTA. Uh, nothing ever will be until Rockstar makes another GTA. Yeah. But there are something as I, that I really like over this in this game over the Grand Theft Auto series in that um, I think they really lean into that sort of collecting aspect that gamers really love. Um, part of the thing is like when you start this game, you have a you have an you have a phone basically you can access that's your HUD to everything and you can pull up a media player that'll let you stream songs either on your person or in any vehicle you get into and you only start with a few songs in the game but as you start driving around uh, there's this thing called song sneak where you can actually steal pirate songs from people who are listening yeah, to them yeah. which is sort of like holding up Shazam and being like what song is that yeah. and then just buying it on the fly so I went from having like five or six songs to having like 60 yeah. and now I'm driving around and I have like an entire hip hop playlist yep. that I built myself like very early on I went and I bought a leather jacket and jeans aviators and was driving around listening to like Eric B and Rakim and I'm oh, like so you're cosplaying as yourself yeah, I'm cosplaying as myself <laughs> in the city I live in like bumping the music I would listen yeah. to anywhere wearing the clothes I would wear and I was like this is really cool because like this is escapism because now I get to do all the stuff that I can't do in real life like steal a cop car and get in a lot of trouble you can't you just probably shouldn't yeah, yeah. we'd have to do, do this show from I'm, jail I'm currently uh, I'm currently wearing like rolled up dad shorts and a horse sweater and Crocs <laughs> yeah. like I'm like the worst so I like how you're just like sort of cosplaying yeah. yourself yeah. Just, I'm like kind of taking it as weird as possible. Yeah. yeah, I'm wearing skinny jeans and I have a sweater with a fox on it. Is that yeah. real life yeah. or now? Yeah, probably both. In the game? Yeah. Um, yeah. So they, there's a 3D printer that you have in the basement of the, your sort of like hacker facility, which again is underneath like a board game store. Yeah. Um, and you can go down there and like get drones printed. You can get stun guns, new weapons. Uh, you save up enough money and enough like sort of experience points and you go down there and just print your guns, which is cool and also terrifying for the future that awaits all of us in real life. But I really like a lot of that aspect. Yeah. Um, we're you kind of that's the future. I, yeah, yeah, maybe. Not, not as opposed to now. <laughs> what I don't like about the game is I think um, some of the side characters get a little they corny. Suck. They like, suck. I'm yeah. sorry. They I will really, say that. I, I will say that. I will say that some of the side characters are just absolutely infuriating. Uh, I mean this is a problem you have in, in video games and sandbox games I think especially. I mean it reminds me a lot of Far Cry 3. But in that case, it was a bunch of like dude bros who got stranded on an island. Yeah. In this case, these are people you're willingly hanging out with, and one of them is like. They're also call- uh, well. There's this one character in particular that I really don't like, and he calls you a lot, and he's got this voice modulator thing on him. Bench. I think so. Yeah. yeah. And he's just super corny. Um, I can't stand listening to him. Uh, one of the things I really, Max and I were remarking on earlier is that police chases in this game early on until you start getting enough stuff where you can interact with the entire city on the fly, uh, which means you have to manually start upgrading your ability to access CTOS cameras and, um, hack like weird, like spikes that come out of the street, mm-hmm. you know, just like in real life. And, uh, the police chases actually become incredibly really tedious. Yep. They're very difficult. Uh, and there's this, 
I don't know why they picked this woman to do this, but there's this lady that sounds like Mama Fratelli from the Goonies who just screams at you in, in like you get one it's or two stars. It's always the same woman too. It's the same woman. She's like, pull over! Get over to the side of the road! And you're like, okay, this is grating enough to be in a police chase with three helicopters and seven cars behind me, but to have Mama Fratelli from Goonies screaming at me the entire time? She just happens to be the one cop. Oh, yeah. Yes. Well, so now bad. when the multiplayer is on, that you're also going to add another person in your game who's trying to kill you. So oh, good. Nice. Yeah. That's all yeah. I need. I, yeah. mean, I feel like maybe that's a response to in the first game where like you could just jump in water and the cops wouldn't get you. Yeah. That was kind of the case there, right? Like, yeah, the cops did not know how to... You just go to uh, Alcatraz, yeah. you're safe. Yeah, it's yeah. a secret in this game. Really? Is yeah. Alcatraz in this game? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was yeah. Boat. Yeah. Yeah. The first um, thing I'm doing when I play is I'm, I'm taking a boat, I'm taking it out to Alcatraz, I'm jumping off the boat, and I'm swimming back to shore. That's what you do in real life, right? <laughs> it is. Old that's exciting. Man. I remember the first time you told me that, I was like, that's insane. Yeah. Uh, the last thing I want to talk about Washouts before we uh, wrap up the segment is that there's a really cool Easter egg where uh, you can find someone on the Stanford cab- campus and hack their phone and they start talking about working in the marketing department at Ubisoft and they like cheekily acknowledge the Assassin's Creed leaks of the last three years. Oh, that's um, awesome. And then also it unlocks a mission where you climb up onto Ubisoft in Soma, hack into their cameras, and then you hack into a computer at Ubisoft and they show this really brief trailer for this sort of space western. It sort of has like a Cowboy Bebop Firefly vibe mm-hmm. to it where there's ships, like salvage ships in space, but has folksy music in the yeah. background. Yes. And this is for this like really cute Ubisoft I game in this. development, I which is really this. weird because we heard a couple of years ago of a game in development that was yeah. like this. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing is Ubisoft gets their stuff leaked every year anyway, so why not just kind of roll with it and make yeah. it a fun mechanic? Yeah. It's yeah, a instead of being bug, bug or feature, like, instead yeah. of being on the train behind some guy working on the new <laughs> Assassin's Creed game and taking a picture with your phone, uh, you can just hack into their headquarters in the game and check out this video. The video is on YouTube now too. Yeah, uh, I'm sure we have it. It's, it's what we think is their new sci-fi IP, which like I'm Would really, be really excited cool. About. So this might be a new thing. This might be a thing that got canceled, or this yeah. might be them just yeah, right. messing with us. How disappointing is it if it, this is just them messing with us? I just really like that. Oh, you heard about this thing? Yeah. Ha ha! Here's this thing you heard. It'd be really about. funny yeah. if this is their one more thing next year at E3. Yeah, yeah. honestly, and all of a sudden we see that trailer, and we're like, oh crap. They're they're they're. I mean, so the first Watch Dogs is when people started being like, oh, I can't trust Ubisoft. They have bull shots, and the trailer was a lie and stuff like that. But in the last two weeks, Ubisoft has put out Eagle Flight, Watch Dogs Two, and. Uh, a 40 track uh, VR update to track mania. So they're kind of killing it right now. Uh, so shout out to Ubisoft. Keep making good games. I'm kind of with you. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and good news. the Ezio collection. Ezio oh, yeah, collection. Oh, yeah, that's tomorrow, which right? looks nuts. Yeah. Is that out this week? Yeah, it's out tomorrow. The same day as Watch Dogs? Yeah. Oh, come on. Get it together, Ooh, Ubisoft. That's <laughs> Well, uh, yeah. if you want three games for the price of one or less or whatever, who cares? Yep. And yep. you never played those with the, the Italian Ninja. There yep. you go. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so Dishonored Two also came out this week. Uh, people seem to like it. Caleb, you like the you like Dishonored? <laughs> oh, I do. <laughs> yeah, I really like. Yeah, Dishonored. you played quite a bit of it now. When you play I, I, play, I think I played about half of yeah. it, maybe. Um, you playing you, as Corvo or Emily? I am my first playthrough. I'm playing Emily, and I'm doing Low Chaos. Um, if you remember, Low Chaos was sort of the canon ending to the first game, and so you know, I feel like that's the way you should. Yeah, yeah. And personally, like that's the way I prefer to play those games. Right? Mm-hmm. I think that there's. Although there's some catharsis through just stabbing everyone in the face, I personally have more fun in video games being sneaky and finding paths. And There's enough games where you have to play them as stabbing everyone in the face. So when a rare game does come along and allow you to not do that, you're like, well, I'll try that out. Yeah. I mean, talk about not not just allowing you to not do that, just the level of freedom that it gives you in approaching all the situations is really, really cool. Um, Like the first Dishonored, it's it's not an open world, right? It's still a level – progression but mm-hmm. each level is this 
large, tall sandbox, you know, so each one you go to a new one and every time you get to a new area, I mean, for me, it's just been literally breathtaking when I realize how large they are and how many different ways you can go and what the, what the approaches are. I mean, it's almost overwhelming at the beginning, right? Because there's also more guards in the first game because they can have more AI characters on the screen. So there's a lot going on. Um, last night I finished the mission that was in the original reveal trailer. You remember she's like running down the hallway that's like morphing around her. Oh, yeah. 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 It's like yeah. robots and stuff. So yeah, you go to this clockwork mansion. I mean, early game spoilers. Yeah. You go to this clockwork mansion where, you know, the guy living there can pull a lever and reconfigure the rooms and the environment's reconfiguring so cool. around you as you, it's yeah. just, it's so cool. It's like the Winchester mystery house, but it works kind of. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then, I mean, you can also end up backstage. Yeah. Like if the rooms are reconfiguring and you get between Sneak. the rooms that are being reconfigured, you can actually get behind the mechanism. It almost reminds me of like portal. Like when so you're able cool. to get into like, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so just, there's so many different ways to approach things. And it's, it's, it's yeah, really they cool. do like Arcane does such a good job of giving you this playground and being like, Hey, if you think you can do something, you probably can. Mm-hmm. Like, I, yeah, I was talking to Mitch over the weekend. He was obsessed. He's been obsessed with this game. He's yeah. like absolutely burning through it. Yeah. He loves the fact that like, like you said, it is these self-contained areas, but they are so dense, you know, horizontally and vertically. Yeah, that, what's the density? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, like, this game... You say horizontally? Yeah, horizontally. horizontally. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a RZA quote. <laughs> All right. Okay, you get Dr. Octopus Snakes, you get horizontally. We'll make up our own language in time. It'll be good. Uh, but that it is just really, Obama like... Atomically. It's, it's almost, like, super... Uh, it's going to be super replayable for a single player game, especially if you play through a second time as Corvo and you're in these similar scenarios, but you're like, well, I'm going to tackle this completely differently and have a completely different outcome. Yeah. So is this the kind of game that like, if you skip the first one, like, like Max and I did, um, can you just jump right in and, and start playing it? Or does, do you feel like that's necessary homework? Uh, you can absolutely jump in and start, repl- start playing right away. I think, you know, like most games where it's a direct story sequel, you'll get more if you've played the original. Yeah. Um, you can go to IGN.com and watch IGN's Dishonored in five minutes mm-hmm. if you want to get caught up on the story because that does a really good job of catching up on the low chaos canon story of the first game, including a little bit of the two DLCs, which also do impact the story. So my, my big issue with the first one and the reason I couldn't get into it is because, like you said, it's kind of overwhelming at first. Yeah. Uh, and the chaos thing really bugged me because it was like – it. I mean, obviously, it's it's a it's a score. Like, I can I can if I'm having a bad time with a mission in a game, uh, sometimes I'll just be like, screw it, and I'll just just I'll just do a bad job, yeah. and I'll move on. But the fact that that kind of followed you through the game kind of became increasingly overwhelming for me. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, and, and that's one of my favorite parts about it. Right, one of my favorite parts about Dishonored is that the story is impacted by player agency. Yeah, and not just like a pick a choice. Like how you play impacts how the story plays out. And that's not just yeah. low chaos, high chaos. That's you could assassinate someone who's a main plot character and they won't show up later to do a certain thing. You know, basically the story is fully at your control. And I think that's – Yeah. Cool. Yeah. People, it's almost it almost more so than like a Telltale game. Whereas a Telltale game, you have these binary choices and you see the outcomes of them. Whereas this is very much, you know, how you are choosing to play this game. You're going to get these very subtle touches where you, you're not even sure that you did get a different story thing until you start yeah. tell, talking to someone else about it. And you're like, oh, that character was dead in my playthrough, so none of this ever happened. Yeah, high chaos. <laughs> is high cool. chaos isn't like you played the game wrong. It's yeah. you played it differently and got a different story. Yep. You know, your Emily or Corvo is a mass murderer, and that's impacted throughout the story. You know, uh-huh. It's not just you know you didn't lose. Oh, that's awesome. to play more. What's, what's yeah. your favorite new power? 
Uh, I'm still I'm still upgrading them. Um, okay. And you know, I'm, the powers for Emily and Corvo are different. So so far, all of my powers are new. Um, the Shadow Walk's cool. I mean, it's it's basically just like an invisibility cloak thing. Mm-hmm. But the way that she turns in, like you get low to the ground, and it's kind of that like demonic, smoky hands. Yeah, and just the way that she crawls across the ground, it's just cool to see. Yeah, I think it's really awesome that you're like just. In doing this playthrough now and you already know you're going to finish it and start it all over yep. again with, this, with the other character. Absolutely. I mean Lucy who reviewed it played it through uh, both ways as well. And I mean just the replayability is – Also before we move on, what what genre is this game? What genre <laughs> is this world? What, what are you calling this, this world? It's not a genre, right? I was trying to think of a descriptor earlier today. You know, uh, I think the people tend to go, go towards steampunk for – they wanted to describe that world and that feel. Then they're the people who will get all angry and say, that's not steampunk. So I think Reddit came to the conclusion that the correct term is whale punk. <laughs> I'm kind of down with that. Like, okay. what, what other single descriptive word can you come, come up with that kind of dis- describes that setting in that world? Is it like works. nautical? So yeah, it's super, it's highly nautical. It's, you know, it's, um, it's whaling, it's whaling communities. There's the kind of mechanical clockwork aspect of, you know, that sort of gets steampunky. Well, I remember like interviewing the arcane guys, uh, ahead of Dishonored 1 and they were talking about how they kind of wanted steampunk, but they hated the overuse of like brass yeah. gears. Yeah. So it's kind of steampunk without brass almost. I mean, there's mm-hmm. magic and mysticism, but yeah. everything is, yeah, it's whale oil and electricity and yeah, I love that world though. Yeah. That's what I mean, bugs me is like, I respect everything about this game. I think it's like, I, I know that it's one of those just, Incredible games. It just didn't grab me, and I feel yeah. guilty about it. You know, like it's just. Should think of the whale punks. Yeah, no, I like it. They got. Well, they're think, like. They're like. What? I'm like. Is this on Earth? And they're like. Well, hell no. I think this the barrier to entry place. is the barrier to entry is like something like Dark Souls, right? In yeah. the sense that it's not a difficult game. You just have to be patient and learn the systems and kind of learn what's expected of you. Yeah. If you just run in, you know, run into every situation, yeah, you're gonna not have fun. Yeah, let's play fair. Brian, you've got a PlayStation VR. Yeah, and, uh, you've heard about it a few times. Yeah, I believe we've mentioned that once or twice. Yeah. Uh, you have a theory about this, is that right? Yeah, and I don't want anyone to take this the wrong way because I mean this in the best, most positive way possible, but I truly feel like the PSVR is the new PlayStation Vita. Oh, no. No, no, no he, mean, he means in the sense that it's awesome. Yes, in the sense that it's awesome, it's got great games, it's selling pretty well, it's got a great attach rate, and no one is noticing it. Like, it's kind of criminally slept on, Mm -hmm. as they say in the rap world. (laughs) I mean, do we know that? Have you seen sales Uh, numbers? So sales numbers so far, they've, they've, uh, Sony has said that they're on track, which is, which means that if the sales numbers were really high, they would tell us what they were. Yes, exactly. So I think when you hear something like that, it doesn't mean they're bad. Uh, well, no one would never ever tells you like when something's underperforming, but on track means like, oh, you know, this is what we thought and that's right. It's like, well, we think our sales numbers are pretty good, but I mean, I mean, anecdotally though, like going going in the uh, beyond Facebook group, which is facebook.com slash group slash beyond, uh, podcast band uh talking to people who have psvr the attach rate to games is insane like yeah. the number of games someone who jumped into psvr have is yeah. staggering after I've, a month i've been sort of describing it as as kind of like buying a ticket to disney world like you don't go there and just go on one or two rides and leave you try to get the most out of it right you go to you go to things that you wouldn't even care about normally like i don't care about pirates but i'm in disney i'm gonna ride pirates of the caribbean right um so i think it's very interesting that people are buying this thing and they're not just 
just getting one or two games. They're buying like five, 10, 15 games because a lot of them uh, are, are sort of priced between 10 and $40. Uh, a lot of them are sort of like shorter, quicker experiences. You look at something like Until Dawn or Batman. I mean, these are games that you can finish in an hour or two, yeah. uh, two or three if you go back and 100% them. So I think there's a lot of really cool experiences right now. And like I've been saying, like there aren't a ton of like sort of like standout AAA experiences, but there's a bunch of like kind of like B pluses. Yeah. I mean, that's my thing about the v- when someone says, why should I buy a Vita? What's the game I should buy a Vita for? And I'm like, well, there is no one game. Yeah. But here are the 30 reasons to buy a Vita is because all yeah. of these are like incredible on their own, right? Yeah. Like I think the closest it has to sort of a killer app in terms of like, you put this thing on, you play it, and you get it immediately. Um, stuff like Batman, stuff like Eagle Flight. I think Tethered's like a really good example. We talked Res- about that on the show. Yeah, Res. Infinite. Yeah, Res for sure. It's yeah. just one of those ones where you're like, oh, this is what happens when you take a game from like 15 years ago and you port it to this funny hat. Um, so I think that like we're going to see the system grow and grow, and I think that hopefully uh, it will have a better outcome than the Vita did, yeah. which kind of like – I mean most consoles kind of like end with a like a, a deep – exhale and then that's it they're kind of just like oh god that's it uh <laughs> and with the vita i think the same kind of thing was very a very long whimper over the very, course of the year an old man slowly going yeah. into a bathtub i mean the vita is arguably kind of sort of dead but they keep making games for it yes like weird japanese stuff keeps coming out and, and indies you know. will keep going there yeah so, yeah. yeah so I'm, I'm i'm curious how soon it's going to be when uh games of gold uh Yes, plus games. Yes. Uh, yeah. You know, are, are incorporating show. a VR thing. <laughs> oh, sorry, that's the Wednesday show. <laughs> are incorporating VR because I think we're at a point where like I don't care about free free PS3 games anymore, especially yeah. since they're not backwards compatible. Yeah. Like the with games of gold, when there is a 360 game that's that's free, you can it's guaranteed to work on your Xbox One. No, I mean PS- the only reason I turn on my Xbox. Yeah. yeah. Right? <laughs> PSVR literally replaced my PS3 in my entertainment center. Yeah. I was like a finite amount of shelves. One of them had to go, and I was like, I'll put the funny hat there yeah. and get the old console out. So hearing about new games coming to PlayStation Plus that are from from the PS3, which is a system yeah. I bought 15 years ago or whatever it feels like. So you are a time traveler. They're like 5,000 years ago. <laughs> That's the one time a month I go, oh, oh. Like I do that. Yeah. Yep. Fail. Yeah. Like, Every oh, single oh. month. Never mind. Yeah, because yeah. I'm always just like, oh, man, you got red. Ah, oh, man, it's not coming yeah. to the PS4. So, yeah, I think I think it'll be a matter of time. And like I said last week, um, stuff like Call of Duty Jackal and uh, the Battlefront VR experience, I think little things like that are going to kind of keep the conversation going. <laughs> what? I heard Call of Duty Jackhole. Yeah, Call of Duty Jackhole. Jack it's the Jackhole Party Pack. <laughs> so it's more wow moments right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, I mean, stuff like Robinson, which we didn't give a great score, that's like a more four-hour, five-hour game. I think we're going to start seeing more and more stuff like that. Eagle Flight, obviously, a more robust title, if you will, if Caleb will. Uh, so robust sauce. Right? The robust sauce. So, yeah, as as we kind of differentiate between the shorter, quicker, cheaper experiences and the $40, four- or five-hour things, uh, PS4 is going to build out a really great library, and I think it's going to be a great thing. So, yeah, don't sleep on it. As they oh. say in the rap world, it's, very unco- it's just a big piece of plastic. It'd be very uncomfortable. You wake up with a weird kink in your. Oh, I don't know. Do talk not- to that girl that stepped on your PS4. She didn't, she sleep, didn't sleep on it. She stepped on it. Don't step on it either. <laughs> All right. Uh, so today is a very special day. This week is uh, Metal Gear Solid Two: Sons of Liberty's fifteenth anniversary, <sighs> which is one of those oh crap, I'm old. Realizations. Is that a quinceanera? That is, it is the Metal Gear Solid Two quinceanera. <laughs> it finally has <laughs> acne and awkwardness. <laughs> yep. It's becoming a woman. I think it always um, had awkwardness. <laughs> so much to the chagrin of uh, some internet commenters, for whatever reason, this is my favorite Metal Gear Solid game. I think I love Five a lot, but this is like this is the one that I've never been so excited for a game. I think like maybe Skyrim, but like 
I watched that trailer backwards and forwards religiously. I had an issue of PSM, PSM the magazine, not mm-hmm. the network, uh, that had that like Joe Casada cover, uh, and it was just it was like pouring over screenshots. And then when I finally got to play it, it was completely mind blowing. And I've I've replayed it since, and it's like it's such an incredibly weird, you know, prescient game. Like it's yeah. how uh, many times did you rent Zone of the Enders? Uh, What's Zone of the Enders? Just to play that demo. <laughs> yeah. My friend, yeah. I, I will maintain to this day, sorry, I say that Metal Gear Solid 2 is my favorite Metal Gear game. I know. I think that demo disc that came with Zone of the Enders is my favorite Metal Gear game. <laughs> Just the tanker level. Yeah. I love yeah. that. Um, but yeah, like, it's kind of weird. This is a game where they talk about, uh, I don't know, American politics being internet, <laughs> or, uh, affected by the internet and memes and stuff like that and mm-hmm. AI. It's so ahead of its time. Yeah. It also came out, uh, you Hopefully know. Hopefully that never comes true. Two, <laughs> two months after 9-11, uh, and it was a really kind of a weird, like they had, there was one of those things where they had to, they had to shift some stuff around. Yep. Yeah, um, because all of a sudden your your ship is all of a sudden just in the middle of Midtown. You're like, yeah. Originally, originally it crashed into the Statue of Liberty and knocked it over onto Ellis Island. Uh, and then uh, that's not good. Yeah, Ryden cuts down an American flag and drapes it over the body of Solid as Snake. Uh, <laughs> that got cut out. It's None also, of those things happened on 9/11. It is. I mean, it was one of those things <laughs> where like maybe let's go easy on this. Uh, <laughs> Just American images. Yeah. Uh, originally, yeah, yeah. you're going to play a Solid Snake for the whole game, but sure, there's that. Uh, there's That's actually, the big dupe, right? <laughs> yeah, the big the big switch was, of course, the fact that this is the this is the one kind of mainline Metal Gear Solid game where you're not playing as a guy named Snake, whether it's you know Boss or Venom or you know, yeah. naked, old naked, or, naked yeah. or whatever. All these old, various old naked yeah, snake. Mad, mad, mad lib snake, whatever. Um, My favorite snake. <laughs> yeah, the whole point of that was supposedly All snakes. It's kind of the one of the biggest bait and switches in in yeah. you know video game. History. Well, and the um, fact that this was just—I feel like if they tried to do this now, it would leak because everything leaks. Yeah, because yeah. we can't have nice things and we can't have secrets. Well, it's because of the la 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 la. You added too many syllables there, my friend. I don't. Uh, yeah, but yeah, it was so cool playing this game and having no idea, like being such a fan of Metal Gear Solid One, and then playing this game and being like, "Yep, I'm going to be Snake for this entire time." All of a sudden, I'm this little blonde ninja boy, and I'm like, "Who's this? How yep. did this happen? Yep. Like, and why are we talking about a simulation? Were you guys?" Pissed? Like no, I I no, loved it at the right? time. That's yeah. what I don't understand the people who got pissed at it. Yeah, it's like, I didn't like it. Really? I didn't like Raiden, but really? I mean, I still well, love the game. No like, one liked okay. MGS2 Raiden, but like yeah, yeah, the game's cool. The game, no, yeah, the game's yeah, yeah. fantastic. It's also, um, I mean, it's kind of a weird inverse of the first one. Like then that's kind of the point. Yeah. Uh, it so it sort of recycles some mechanics, but it also like just thinking back on it, this was probably the biggest shift in like series systems. Like this is this took. You know, if you play Metal Gear Solid One, it is kind of a you know polygon version of the old you know, MSX games. Like it's still sort of isometric. You know, you you can go into first person, but it's a look around. You know, you got some you got some 3D elements there, but for the most part, it's kind of a top down game. Metal Gear Solid Two added, uh, let's see. Uh, obviously shooting in first person, uh, throwing objects as a distraction, hiding bodies, which is now like a mechanic that's pretty much standard to stealth games. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, hanging off of ledges and holding up guards and, and making them pee their pants or whatever, uh, collecting dog tags, using first aid on top of just rations, which was obviously expanded a lot upon in mm-hmm. three, uh, the tranquilizer gun, which was kind of key to the whole non-lethal playthrough thing. And uh, porno that you could leave out to distract dudes. Right, yeah. Was this the first game where you could really just kind of play around with the enemy yeah. AI? I mean, even in the demo disc, like you were shooting ice cubes and, and watching them melt. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. 
Yeah, it's weird because like when you hear stuff like hiding bodies and hanging off of ledges in 2016, you're like, like, so? Exactly. Shut up, Grandpa. And it's like, no, yeah. you don't understand. Like games didn't really let you do stuff like yeah. this. You could jump over ledges. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe in some of the, in some of the games you could. Um, yeah, but there's a lot of really weird trivia about this game. Um, I think there was a document that got put up, like either as a making of book or something, but it talks about all the stuff that Kojima originally wanted to have in it. Originally, this was going to be called Metal Gear Solid 3, and it was going to be a Roman numeral. And it was going to represent the three tallest buildings in New York, I guess, the New York City skyline, Twin Towers, and the Statue of Liberty. So Metal Gear Solid 3, the sequel to Metal Gear Solid. Correct. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Uh, And it was going to be suggesting that there are now three snakes. Oh, my God. Because it's Kojima. And also also to confuse players. Yeah. Which is like, is that a good marketing tactic to completely confuse people? Like, He's been doing it for 20 years. Yeah, so that's, yeah. That's, that's true. <laughs> yeah, and we just saw I mean, the, look the at Death Stranding trailer. trailer. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. all it is. Um, What's going on with the Oh, the whale baby and the yeah. guy from The Walking Dead. Yep. Got it. See you in, in 2019. <laughs> the, uh, the tanker section was originally going to be set on an aircraft carrier during nuclear inspections in Iraq and Iran, and this was changed due to increasing Middle East tension. Again, weirdly ahead of its time. Uh <laughs> Yeah, that's just a, it's kind of a nutty game. There was also going to be a part where there were sharks and you had to go through like bloody water full of like corpses and stuff. That sounds spooky. Uh, and a whole segment where you, after the tanker gets messed up by Metal Gear, you had to escape. But apparently playtesters were like, this isn't fun at all. Yeah. Uh, and I guess you saved Olga from drowning at that part. And she mentions that in the dialogue at some point. But, yeah, but there's, uh, they did, uh, keep in some things like a fat man on roller skates with bombs sure strapped to him. Yep. Yeah, and a vampire. A yep. very, a very sexual vampire. Very sexy man. Yeah. Good old vamp. Voiced then, by, uh, Mad TV's, um, what's his face? Oh, the guy, the guy who gets shot in uh, Pulp Fiction. Yeah, the UPS guy. Yeah, Samurai Jack. Yeah, that one. Um, <laughs> Phil Lamar. Phil Lamar. Um, but yeah, like I love this. I love this game. It's incredibly <laughs> strange. Uh, yeah. There's a really great write up just about how incredibly in depth it is mechanically. It's called Driving Off the Map. So Google that if you want to find out more about how how deep it goes. Yeah. Um, happy Quinceanera, Metal Gear yeah, Solid happy Two: Quinceanera. Sons of Liberty. Yeah, yeah, we're celebrating with a, a new pachinko machine. Which is true. There were screenshots from that. I don't want to keep making that joke, but we just saw new screenshots from the new pachinko machine. It looks very good. It looks looks like a great pachinko machine. Yeah, Yeah. and then Metal Gear Solid Five, sort of everything edition, just came out with all the DLC stuff. And we're going to be able to Metal Gear survive soon. Yes. And then there it is. I'm just celebrating it by playing all of my Konami favorites, like Gradius and Castlevania, and then crying. I love that. Yeah, there we go. That's, that's the big three: Gradius, Castlevania, Cry. Max, you and I were actually talking about this recently, but and totally side note here: Do you feel like like Kojima feels like he lost custody to like one of his children with all this thing? Like with the fact that he's not, he can't make anything with Snake anymore. He can't do anything with Metal Gear well, anymore. Like that's that's in the hands of somebody else. Like he basically went through a custody battle with his ex wife. She got custody, and now he has to go make the Whale Baby game with uh, the Walking Dead man. <laughs> It's pretty weird. Uh, I mean, I imagine he feels sort of like George Lucas feels with Star Wars, except George Lucas is retired as hell. Yeah. So, like, what do you, like, what do you do there? Yeah, it just seems odd to, like, write for these characters in this world for so long and then just have to kind of walk away from it legally. I don't know. Doesn't this sort of feel like he's been trying to get rid of the child for a little while as well? Uh, Yeah, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. Jamming pieces of bone fragment in his forehead. (laughs) (laughs) Poking out eyes and stuff. Not letting it star in the second game of the series. Let me stop. Yeah. Um, That was good. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, man, I'm, I'm so, I'm so brokenhearted about that franchise because, like, I don't know, like, will we ever get, like, a proper, like more Metal Gear games, like they, they won't ever be. Or just finish five. I mean, that's the yeah. thing, right? As, as a Metal yeah. Gear fan, I would have loved to have actually really seen an ending yeah. to five. Yeah. 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 Um. Anyway, 
That's happy depressing. Birthday. Yeah, happy birthday, yeah. Metal Gear. Um, there is a segment we do every week. It's called Rapid Fire. Uh, basically, we go in the Podcast Beyond Facebook group, which is podcastbeyond.com slash forward slash group slash uh, comedy button. None of those no, are right. not oh. it. Uh, <laughs> Facebook.com slash group slash podcast beyond. And sometimes uh, we get them from our YouTube channel, which, which is youtube.com yes. slash IGN Beyond. Yeah, which is where you can see this beautiful new set we're in right now. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's very nice. Um, anyway, Rapid Fire. Fast questions. Let's answer them. These real quick. Marty, you uh, want to do this one? Because you got these questions this week. I was at an important lunch meeting. Well, Max, you can read. You're doing, you're doing a real good job of reading. Kevin Adderidig. I don't know if I read that right. Okay, you did a really Adderidge. bad job of reading. Take there. the papers away. Okay. <laughs> Looking ahead to 2017 as 2016 comes to an end, what are you most excited for? Is it a certain game? Gaming trends? E3? What are you most excited for? You already asked that part. <laughs> what one game are you most excited for next year? Does it have to be a game? Or Are you going to say the Switch? Uh, Weird Man? I mean, I'm I'm really into the Switch. I mean, completely off topic from uh, everything we talk about here on on a PlayStation show. I think it's going to continue the sort of curse of Nintendo consoles of like it'll have a bunch of great first party stuff. It'll have some weird third party ports. It'll do okay with the base, but outside of that, it'll sort of fizzle out. It'll be our independent candidate. Yes, I'm really excited for to see updates on a lot of the things we saw at E3 from the Sony conference, whether it be God of War, Spider Man, uh, finally playing Horizon in a couple yeah. months, oh, God, uh, or yeah. Horizon, seeing more of whatever the hell Death Stranding is. Yeah, yeah. I really want to see what From Software is working on. I want Bloodborne Two or something something new from them. Um, I think that like. Even if it's a new armored core, like at this point, I don't yeah, care. at this I point, mean, sure. If it's I mean, that mentality, but with robots, souls. yeah, I would totally do that. Yeah, I'd be totally into that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really hoping, and I've been saying this for a while, that the kind of, and it's coming out this fall trend continues. Like, I Watchdogs really, did a good job of that. Watchdogs did a great job with that. Um, yeah, Bethesda did a great thing with, with Fallout 4. I just, mm-hmm. I hope we get more of that kind of like, hey, you don't have to sit around waiting for it. You kind of just get it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Also, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure I'm excited to see what VR does. Like, not yeah. just PSVR, but just across the board. Like, does it catch on? Does it get bigger? Does it get weirder? I don't know. I want to see what. Um, I I don't think we'll get a release date or anything like that. Probably not even a title. But I kind of want an idea of where the Assassin's Creed franchise is going next. Yeah. Um, even if it's concept art or anything like the rumor is Egypt and the rumor is next fall. So doesn't it really feel weird not playing an Assassin's Creed game this fall? It does. It's very odd. Like it's one of those things. It's like if there wasn't a Call of Duty this year, I'd be like, there's yeah. something. I don't, I don't know something if I'm miss it it yeah. just feels weird it just doesn't it feels like like the, there's something wrong with the cycle watchdog watchdogs is, is filling that if if watchdogs and ac sort of taking every other year approach i'm kind of well, happy with that in terms of games where i run around and i keep climbing on things by accident and <laughs> jumping into people then yeah watchdogs is totally satiating my assassin's creed fix <laughs> at dogs but it doesn't distract anybody yeah um yeah, yeah, I would say Red Dead Redemption. Oh, yeah, I guess, yeah, I mean, sure. it's, yeah, it's a Rockstar game. We yeah. waited around for that. I'm actually um, hoping we see a sort of like elite version of the PlayStation 4 controller. Like, I'd like a sort of like if they go all in. They've been like really kicking ass with hardware in the last, as as, as we talked about on the show. So if they redesign their controller properly, make like a hundred dollar version of it that's got all the bells and whistles, literal bells and whistles. Don't do that. I know it. Edition. Yeah, I want I want like a nice Polar Express edition controller <laughs> that has like some silver bells. You'll on know it. if people are taking it. Sounds like a nice reindeer. <laughs> I like that idea. Okay. Anyway, Luis de Luna says, going to PSX in LA, Anaheim for the first time. Do you have any tips for PSX and surrounding area? Sorry, Anaheim's terrible. Yeah, I think. We, yeah, we <laughs> talked about this Disneyland. a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Disneyland. We talked about this a little last week, but just enjoy the fact that PSX is a, a smaller, roomier show than say something like Comic Con. Yeah. Um, it, it's the the layout of the Anaheim Convention Center is pretty kind of like spacious and sprawling, and you can kind of just like hang out, like geek out, look at cosplay, talk yeah. to people. Like you, you'll meet people. 
you will make new friends there if you're not hesitant to just be like, hey, man, cool shirt. Yeah. Or like, hey, like, yeah. uh, like, want to play this game? Yeah. Like, we're going to have the, the, the podcast beyond community, especially the Facebook group is yep. organizing a fan meetup on that Friday night, which yes. we'll have more details on soon. Yep. Uh, but so a couple of us are going to try to be there as well. Mm-hmm. And if yep. you, uh, if you can get yourself to the west side of LA, I recommend, um, Walking from the Santa Monica Boardwalk to Venice Beach and vice versa. Yeah. Walk along the beach. It looks like GTA. It's lovely. Yeah. Take a long walk off a short pier. Don't yeah. do that. That's real mean. Take a long Unless walk you can on, swim. A, on a short Unless pier. Unless you can swim. Yeah. Ride that Paris swim. Yeah. <laughs> um, don't dive off and look for peyote because it's probably not down there. Um, Ryan J. Nim says, if you could play any game from an established series but it's played in the villain's perspective, what game would you like to play? Bloodborne. <laughs> <laughs> to- I want I want that monster party video game where like those horrible bosses are getting all their like ghoulish friends together. That just sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. it's just this wretched man keeps coming and getting stronger and stronger yeah. and kicking all their asses. That sounds terrifying. I like the idea of like this just disgusting seventy foot tall like horse monster putting all these wolves in cages that keep breaking open. I love that game. I want a, I want a Katamari game where I'm the king of all cosmos and I just scream at my child for never being good enough. That dude is like super incredulous about yeah. everything going yeah, on. Yeah, he's just a game, real right? bad dad. Have, well, you want... have you ever seen that thing? Which Katamari game is it where you like – there's an achievement where you like if you collect – it's like 200,000 rows or something like that where people actually like – this guy hooked up his controller's analog sticks to like a ceiling fan so they would rotate and just collect everything in the game. And when you get it, this pop-up message from the king is like, you, why would you do that? You weren't supposed to do that. Don't you have anything better to do than that? Yeah. Jesus, you loser. Yeah. And you're like, <laughs> oh, thanks. Or I want to be a Colossus and shadow the Colossus and just suffer 16 horrifying deaths. I feel like that's really sad. Like you're yeah. just living in this lagoon by yourself and this yeah. dude in the horse comes over and starts yeah, stabbing your fur parts. Yeah. I mean the yeah. whole point of like video game villains is mostly they're meant to get their asses kicked. And most of the time they're sort of sitting in one room waiting for somebody to come kick their ass. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. uh, I would love to see a Metal Gear Solid prequel where you play as Liquid and you get your whole uh, – what do you call it? It's not Dead Cell. It's the other guys. You get those guys, yeah. those old Foxhound guys yeah, together, yeah. and you got to like, I don't know, you got to go break Psycho Manus out of like Goth Jail or whatever he's in, and <laughs> you know, you got to convince Revolver <laughs> Ocelot that he should put on his cowboy boots again and come hang out, and just then you break into you know uh, Shadow Moses and start messing all right, stuff I'm up. I'm a big fan of all this. Yeah, yeah. Solid yeah, Snake's the last boss, and he takes his shirt off and beats you up. Caleb, what about you? Uh, I would pick Tomb Raider. Not the new Tomb Raider with the, bo- with, the tomb. with the boring villains. I want to play as the T Rex in Tomb Raider One. <laughs> oh my god, just a T Rex! You're just Kill looking me. for this woman in the, in the caves. You can't see. You can only see like five feet in front of you. You just snap yeah. on wolves yeah. until she shows up. Yeah, yeah I, I like, like that. And you're like, am I the only one of these? Do I have a wife? <laughs> What's going on? What year is it? Uh, John Jordan says, do games with too many collectibles ruin the experience? I've been playing through Rise of the Tomb Raider, and I can't seem to get immersed in it because I'm running all over the map collecting everything I can. I can't resist picking up everything as I go, but it's taking away from the tone and the pace of the game. Your thoughts? I think there is a a ceiling to that, right? There's a breaking point where you can do – if you look at like rare, right? Look at old rare games on the N64. Rare, are like king, the king of collectathons. Um, you look at a game like ban- uh, Banjo Kazooie, kind of totally nails it, it's right? Like perfect amount, just yep. enough of each of each type. And you look at like Donkey Kong 64. That's when the bubble burst. It, the bubble burst yeah. for Tomb Raider specifically. I did the same thing where I was just like. Oh man, I'm going to get everything in this game because I want every part of it. And then I started talking to Miranda Sanchez, who was doing our guide. And I was like, is it worth collecting everything in this game? And she was like, no, no. it turned this game from something I love to something I don't love anymore. Yeah. So I think like you can actually destroy an experience with a game you love if it has too many collectibles. I think there's that thin line between having not enough and having too many. Yeah. Um, and a lot of games don't know how to walk yeah. that. I think depth of content, uh, 
is better than breadth of content. Yeah, almost, totally. Almost every single time. Yeah. I would much prefer a very, very, very deep gameplay experience yeah. than a shallow one that tells me to go collect 400,000. Yeah. And there's also, it also depends on if, like, if, if you're getting feedback from these collectibles. Like, mm-hmm. I'm really liking uh, grabbing everything in Watch Dogs too because I feel like I'm getting a lot of feedback and I'm slowly building up my character and I yeah. want to build up my character. Whereas in Mafia 3, I had zero desire to collect any of the collectibles because they didn't amount to anything. They yeah. weren't pooling towards a level up or anything or really like encouraging me. And so I feel like it is a game by game basis. And if you're not feeling it, don't just don't worry. Like try not to do it. Yeah, like, I know the OCD yeah. tends to kick in, but that's like, the just thing. Don't. Though. That's yeah. the thing. A lot. Yeah. My question back to John is the: if you're not having fun, why are you doing it? Yeah. Well, like, I yeah. mean that. I mean, this is a PlayStation <laughs> you know? podcast, right? Yeah. And that that leans right into like trophies. And there are some people that like. Uh, and I I don't know how I have this level of self control because I usually don't with almost every other things. I have sort of addictive personality, but I have that that thing where like I'll start playing a game and I'm like, oh, I'm sixty percent done. Might as well finish it. It's sunken cost fallacy, right? You hit a point of no return. I think with Watch Dogs, I was able to identify very early on with Watch Dogs too that I was like. I don't think I'm going to hundred percent this game. And that's an incredibly liberating experience to have 30, 45, 60 minutes into a game yeah. to be like, I don't need everything here. I can, I can be a tourist. I can play this as much as I want and then I can leave and come back whenever I want. I would say unless you are in a hospital bed, there's not a lot of excuses for trying to collect everything in a watchdog mm-hmm. a Ubisoft game. Like their yeah. open world games are just, I like that one where like Ben Franklin's notebook blew away and he had like papers blown around everywhere. Like that just sounded, like that just gives me anxiety thinking about it. Is that Rayman yeah. Raging Rabbits? That was, was probably what that was. Yeah. Ben Franklin was a key key player in that. Um, Assassin's Creed 3. Franklin's Creed. <laughs> On the flip side, I really, really hate when games have just the most half-assed collectibles entirely. And not like there's a lot of them go get them and it's just kind of busy work. But like Titanfall's like – Titanfall's helmets? Yeah. Like, why be there in the first place? They don't place? do anything. I, they like very specifically put those there because they were like, we made this pretty world and we have no replay value in this game whatsoever exactly. in terms of single player. So yeah. they just kind of put them in there. I felt the same way about the um, the pigeons in GTA 4. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, I, yeah. Yeah, most people didn't even know where they were there because they were so well hidden that in an average playthrough, you might have found one or two. But until you actually started hunting them down, like you're like, oh, there they are, or feathers in Assassin's Creed. Like, yeah. you still like bird-based collectibles. I hate bird-based collectibles. Hate bird, bird-based yeah. collectibles. Yeah, yeah I, which I, sucks because I'm playing Eagle Flight right now, and that's all you do. <laughs> absolutely adore uh, Metal Gear Solid's cassettes. Yep, uh, because they're not just you're, they're part of the environment. Like yeah. the, one of my some of my best memories of that game are just hearing like hearing a pop song from like across like a desert canyon and being like, wait. Freaking Billy Idol. Yeah. Being yeah like, collect- well, I am completely derailing my mission yeah. because I need that cassette tape. Collectibles yeah. that have like real, actual in-game impact. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Either that or the number of them is so finite that it's easily, uh, easily consumed. Like if you look at like the, the new Super Mario Brothers games, they're like, oh, I'm playing a side-scrolling game. There's one flagpole per level. There's three hidden Yoshi coins or whatever. You get all three. You get a little gold star. You move on with your yeah. life. Yeah. All right. So that is Podcast Beyond from our brand new beautiful studio. I'm still figuring out which camera to look at. It's All the one them. with the red stuff on it. But that I don't one over there. Where? No, that's too no. far. Oh, no, wait. <laughs> right. Sorry, that was the wrong one. Uh, anyway, uh, thank you all for tuning in. Um, we'll be back uh, next week doing this again, and yeah. hopefully it'll be more exciting than ever. There's the camera right there, that one. Uh, you can find us all on Twitter. I'm Max Scoville. Brian is Agent Bizzle. Caleb, what the hell are you on Twitter? I'm just me, man. I'm just Caleb Blossom. Just Caleb, Caleb mm-hmm. Blossom. And right. definitely go read Caleb's feature about uh, playing games in an RV with a solar solar roof on it. Is that, did I do that right? Yes. I, I installed solar power to play my PlayStation we'll, 4 for we'll a year. We'll link to that in the, uh, Dude, in the yeah. you, 
Did you play? Did you play like Dark Souls with the power of the sun? I did. Okay, I praised praise that. That's good. There you go. I, I, I made like, that joke many times okay, on social good. media. What was that okay. Kojima game? Bok choy. <laughs> Bok choy. <laughs> Bok choy. Okay. Uh, and then of course Marty is McBiggity. Yep. Uh, with two G's and two T's. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, beyond. 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 Hey there. This is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts, with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.